But I was going into Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Power converter. Going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. Power converter. Hello and welcome to Toshi Station Radio, where we sell power converters and talk about X-wing. We are fresh out after our end of summer sale of power converters, so until we get restocked, we're just going to talk about X-wing. I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. I'm Alex Smittle. I'm Poor Jenkins. And we got through the intro this time. All we right. It. We did it. Progress. That's a wrap. Yay. That's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> you guys <laughs> next week. Roll oh. Well, there has been uh, some goings on and some news since we talked to y'all last, but outside of X-Wing, what have we all been up to? Uh, work. Um, I just started taking live auto claims. That works. Nice. That's pretty exciting. And by exciting, I mean hard. But <laughs> it's uh, I'm getting the hang of it. It's uh, it's interesting. I think the word is challenging. I've been playing a lot of D&D Onslaught lately, which is the... That's true. He's uh, going to the World Championship in a couple of Yeah, so our buddy Brian has been yeah. playing a ton of it and bullied me into going to the Worlds with him in mid-September. Uh, so I don't really know what I'm doing, so I don't have any expectations. But That's like fun. my first time going to Worlds. Yeah. Exactly. Where's that at? Uh, Memphis. Oh, About okay. five hours from St. Yeah. Louis. Oh, yeah. man, why do I think everything's so close? <laughs> yeah, that is reasonably close. It's Midwest close. I know, but yeah, I was just Midwest like, oh, that's just right next door. I'm through that Missouri. When we lived in Cape, it was it was only three hours from Cape. That was pretty nice. Yeah. That's because the Midwest, all the states are really big, so it takes they way longer to get there. It's because they're all flat piles of nothing. Yeah. Very true, very true. Uh, I have been, you know, playing a bit of Cyberpunk 2077, getting into it about two years late. Uh, I am still the only person apparently not playing Baldur's Gate 3, but I'm being bullied into picking it up, so I it will probably... It is good to come into a game late, though. Like, I always yeah. enjoy coming into a game two years late. Well, it's especially with Cyberpunk, it's coming in after all the patches have fixed everything and right exactly. before the big expansion. Exactly. So. That's the perfect time to come into a game. Indeed. I do think you'd enjoy Baldur's Gate, though. I like, do, too. Um, oh, it's okay. thirsty as hell, though, man. It's, a very <laughs> it's so thirsty. Yeah. But I do think, like, <laughs> as somebody who DMs a lot, like, if you have, if you want to just, like, be a player in a D&D game, I think Baldur's Gate 3 is probably the closest a yeah, video game. Yeah, it's the only way I'm going to get to do that these days. Yeah. Uh, it does a pretty good job of simulating being a player. Good deal, good deal. Greg, anything interesting out in the West? Out in the west. Out on the prairie. Um, <laughs> out in the winds. Are they survive out here? Um, it's cooled I feel down. Like, I hope for you. I feel. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's been a million and a half degrees. Um, like legitimately, I normally like. I'm okay with the heat. I complain about it, but I'll be fine. And uh, I just, I could, I didn't even go outside. I told the kids, forget what outside even means. For the last week, because I wasn't Kids doing it. Kids or inside people now. Yeah. yeah. For the last for the last couple of years, my friend Erica, who deployed to Kuwait at the same time you did, Greg, has responded to any time we complain about heat with, "Well, it's not Kuwait." And the last year, <laughs> the last week, she's just been like, "Okay, this feels like Kuwait, but humid." Yeah, I I legit don't know if I've experienced this hot here in the states, and I thought that a lot, and I was just I got in my truck. Uh, I don't, one of those days before I got the truck on and I took a breath and it took my breath away. And yeah. I was like, God, I know where this is. Like, when I was just like, the wind I was in a different you, place. It's bad. Yeah, when the wind it's hurts bad. you. When it's like a blowtorch on your forehead. Oh, yeah. no. 
Yeah, every day I get into my car at the end of the day after work because I park in the middle of the big open parking lot. And I have a tiny little all-black car with an all-black interior. Oh, my god! That's a recipe for a burned back. Yeah. Thankfully, I drive with my shirt on, so... Oh, I mean, sure, but it still hurts. (laughs) There's still pain there. Like... I mean, it's still, yeah, uh, poor Lily, the way I park in the driveway, the sun, like, goes into the back window, and then we go pick up Archer at, like, four, and she's like, no, car seat's hot, and she's, like, telling me, and I'm just like, I know, but we have to, like, sit in here and do this, and I'm, like, feeling her car seat, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, roast child. Summer's terrible, that's the point. Yeah. Roast Pretty like, much. On the fall and the winter. Yeah, let's go hoodie weather. Yeah, exactly. Like, Peppermint like mochas when. Yeah, pumpkin spice when. It's actually already available. Yeah, pumpkin oh, spice is already out now. Dang. Pumpkin spice started August 19th. What? Yeah. Uh, stupid joke is stupid. Though. <laughs> yeah. It's like Christmas decorations, man. It just gets earlier and earlier every year. I go to Dollar Tree a lot, and uh, they always have the the holiday the next one you know they're way out in front of everything so it's fall and halloween right now and donna and i were like yeah and we were like man i really i'm i'm really looking forward to daylight saving time or something like that and we're like yeah thank god it's just like right around the corner and then no shit both of us looked at each other we're like that's in november it's only august what are we even talking about so i know the but at least sucks. it's broken, at least here in St. Louis, due to the 25 million gallons of rain we got yesterday. Uh, so Friday, Doug and Alex, you'll appreciate this. Uh, I'm out at the Crown Plaza. We've got a big council administration meeting. I'm sitting in on it, and it's a long thing. It's going on, and they're arguing about the budget and everything. And a little bit before noon... We all, all of us employees get an email and we all kind of look down and it's our building manager saying that the chiller for our air conditioner, you know, that big, huge thing on top of the parking garage mm-hmm. has not only gone down, it is giving off smoke. Oh boy. So they're like, yeah, we have no AC. Uh, and so Dan, our boss of bosses makes the decision, hey, uh, any directors who want to send their people home can send them home. So I'm emailing my people going, finish up what you're doing and go home. I'm stuck here for another four to five hours. How uh, uh, how do the, the MSC make it? I do not know. Them? I'm pretty sure David sent them all home as soon as they could. Uh, basically, the get on and work from home type. Uh, but uh, they got it fixed. But yeah, when it's uh, it's hot enough and it's been consistently hot enough that our building's AC just could not handle it and a part exploded. It couldn't. Ha- it could barely handle normal weather. It was a thousand degrees in that office all the time. Indeed, it's it's uh, miserable. We we hate the heat. I think that's what we're getting at. We're. Gonna, I am glad you know, my new office is cold. Yeah, so. let's look at like relocating to Indoor or something. Tatooine sucks. True. <laughs> uh, well, sons. other than the heat, seventy five percent of us made a extended drive down to Cards and Stripes games last weekend in Republic, Missouri. Down there by Springfield. Southwest of Springfield, indeed. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Doug and Alex and I played in the uh, store championship there. It was uh, was actually a pretty dang good time. Uh, Small store had, I think, only nine nine people play. Uh, But, man, everybody there was... What's that? 
I said the three of us and six locals. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, we... we... Uh, shout out to Ricardo, first off. Yeah, yeah Ricardo Morales. Heck of a tournament. He did. Indeed. He's a great, great guy. guy. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy. Um, sorry for implying we made out on that Facebook post. <laughs> <laughs> Double down. Wait. Double down. Double down. <laughs> I, I would. I just... I don't know. What? I don't know Ricardo well enough to double down on that. <laughs> what is happening? What are you talking about? Uh, we mentioned, it was mentioned so Ricardo on Ricardo uh, posted on Tashi Station about me winning the tournament, and I said, "Hope." I mean, I said, "Hope we can make it out soon." Except I forgot the it, so I said, yeah, "Hope no. we, we can out make it out again soon." soon. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, that's on me. It's <laughs> my bad. That's it was canon. a rough day for my texting. No. Oh, it is a canon event now, but no, uh, great time out there. Oh. Uh, now, yeah, uh, we went down there. I I did not have enough uh, brain power in the time since the Manhattan tournament to change my list up at all. So I flew the same six ship Republic again. Doug, what did you bring? Uh, I told you all. I made like four lists, and three of them were absolutely ridiculous, and one of them was relatively reasonable. And I told you guys, I asked you guys which one I should bring, and you all picked the reasonable one. So <laughs> the two of them picked the reasonable uh, one. Uh, yeah, I you didn't vote. You were too I lazy abstained. to look at the lists. No, <laughs> I abstained because I was working. Because <laughs> you're too lazy to look at the lists. I can't get on my phone at work. You can look at it after work. Anyway. I don't remember those days. Uh, uh, <laughs> I ran uh, Sokduku, uh, Dirge, Pre Vizsla, and Funny Reroll Man, the Sock DIS T81. Ah, uh, yes. Funny Reroll Man. Why did I just get a. Because he's the one that uh, anytime he attacks or defends, he can reroll any number of dice and then gain that many strain for every defense die and deplete for every attack die. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a meme that he's just a funny reroll man because he, he just, just gets just had like stacks a, and stacks of tokens. Yeah. I just had like a Boondog Saints image in my head for funny man, and then I was just like <laughs> trying to envision a tri fighter. <laughs> yeah, I like your style, funny reroll man. Yep. Funny reroll man. And uh, Alex, uh, since we've already spoiled that you took home the uh, the win, what did you do it with? I uh, flew essentially this uh, very similar to what I flew at the Game Cafe, which we talked about on our previous episode. The Fen, Dengar, Tarok, and I swapped late in the share to Lima Kai mm-hmm. for the high initiative. Um, yeah, so I jousted stuff, killed stuff. It's a good time. Nice. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm guessing you blew everybody out of the water to win, right? It's not like you won by like. Uh, <laughs> about that so the math of having nine players in a four-round tournament yeah the the way the the final results are pretty pretty hysterical actually <laughs> so what that. happens that means there's going to be pair-ups every round because of and the odds was advertised as a four-round tournament so it was played as a four-round tournament which i think is the right choice Play yeah. advertised yeah. Yep. right and so uh Every round, I believe, the lower-ranked person in the pair-up won. Correct. Which, which meant that we didn't the have any undefeated... Did the round three pair-up win? Right. Uh, uh, well, yeah, we, we, yeah, but we uh, we ended up finishing the tournament with no undefeated players after four rounds. I think Doug was the only undefeated player going into round four. He was. That's right, yeah, and Smith will be me in round four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I beat Smittle in round two. I lost to Ricardo in round I do one. Believe, I do believe the round three pair down also won. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't make I sense because there were, there were four three and ones in a nine-person tournament. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to just do the math in my head. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. But uh, 
Uh, we, the three of us, ended up tied for strength of schedule. Yeah, Doug, tied, Matt and I. Th- yeah, three. We were all three and one. We tied for strength of schedule, and it came down to I think only a difference of like six total. Six, mission six points total uh, mission Doug. points. You yeah, were two. You were two that. behind me, and Doug was four behind you. It was Smittle was at seventy nine. Newt was at seventy six. I was at seventy five. Yeah, it was uh, just a close thing, and. I mean, I we didn't the funniest even thing is, right before Doug refreshed and saw that, I said, "There's no way we're gonna t- anyone's gonna tie in strength of schedule." <laughs> yeah, because the little nice game finished very quickly, so we were watching Newt's game, and then as his finished up, most of the games were done, so we were talking about it, and, and yeah, it was a, there's no way it's gonna come down to strength of schedule, or that it took yeah. them points. Yeah, and then I refreshed and was like, "Oh, actually, all three of us are tied at what was the." 1.875, I think. 1.6875. 6.875. And then, yeah, the mission points decided it. Wild. And, yeah. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen a three-way tie for first at the end of a store champ. And then second tiebreaker is what decides it. So now it's Operation Get Greg His World's Ticket. Indeed it is. because uh, Oh, no. We've got a lot more stuff coming up over the next couple months. Crossroads, right? my friend. Crossroads. Crossroads. Greg wins Crossroads. Crossroads has a world's ticket. Yeah, right. I mean, I would, obviously, I think that I could do okay, but I don't think I got a lot of events left to do it in. Oh, no. There's so. going to be places that'll get another uh, store you know, kit, or they'll probably release some more, I think. Plus, there's always the last chance qualifier. Oh, really? This isn't the last? Like, this isn't, like, the whole run? I I'm pretty sure they'll release more. Yeah, we'll uh, they they want people to go to these events. Mm-hmm. So. The right. the store champ season runs the entire year. It is not like it was with FG, where like store champs were, were for three months and then regionals were for three months or whatever. Oh, okay. Regionals yeah. don't exist anymore. Yeah, so regionals yeah. don't exist right now. So it's, okay. Well, I was thinking. Yeah, I think I was. I was thinking I was super limited, and you know we're oh, a couple man. months in. Greg wins and crossroads. That's what's Indeed. happening. Okay. Remember our last episode about intentional practice? Do it and win crossroads. True. I think Indeed. I know what I, I think. Just I know practice what... with all of your time, Greg. Don't worry about your kids. Yeah, they're fine. self-sufficient. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, nope. They know where snacks <laughs> and YouTube is. That's pretty well, cool. That is literally self-sufficient. That's parenting in 2023, man. You don't need anything else. Literally oh, all man. I do for myself is snacks and YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And look at Smittle, he's fine. Doing great. Have a world's tickets. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. We'll try, though. That'll be the goal. Be Indeed. The goal. I, I believe in you, Greg. Okay. Uh, mentioning that also, we have found uh, Crossroads is coming up in October. Yeah. Crossroads. I'm definitely going, by the way. I don't have anything planned, and I put it on a calendar. And I told Donna, there, it's documented. Yeah. All right, so we're, no, we're going to get to do the Tashi Station road trip. And I think it's going to be pretty big. There's 20 people, 28 people signed up for it so far on Roll Better. And we're Brian still, is coming as well. Yeah, we're still two months out. So I think it could easily break 50. Excellent. Love that. Love that for us. Radical. Uh, but from that tournament, was there anything in particular that stood out uh, to any of us while we were there? Other than the ridiculousness of a three-way tie for first, yeah, I mean it's hard to top that. Yeah. What, uh, like, was there any like original lists? Was there any almost all, all of them actually? All lists, yeah. original, great. Uh, the uh, well, the I'll guy that he was playing in the last round, uh, who had to play me the round before, he started two and zero, and then played me and Newt. Uh, had a really cool list. It was uh, Mandalorian, uh, and then both Cads, Cad Bane and Cad Solus, Joy Wreckoff. Uh, was it Dace? 
and then no, Bosk. No, he didn't have no, dates. No hawk, uh, no, hawk, no hawk. He didn't have Bosk. Uh, it, was he had, Bosk. it was Mandalorian, three six pointers in Bosk, or three four three four pointers in Bosk. Yeah, Cat yeah, Cat uh, and Joy. Uh, Cat, oh, Cat, Cat, yeah, Cat, Cat, yeah. Cat, Cat, and Joy. I'm just throwing another four pointer, twenty four point list. Just, just add a four pointer. It seems good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, Spencer T. Bennett, uh, great player, and coming into that fourth round, I had no idea how to engage that list. It was uh, assault of the satellite array, I believe, was the last round, and yeah, with. Me having three medium bases, him having one, I thought, okay, he's going to probably hang the Mandalorian back and try and use it to claim. And instead, he brought the Mandalorian in first in the wave of straight up just assaulting, deciding, nope, go for kill ships instead of the obstacles. And I was playing for obstacles and not kill things. So that first turn of engagement, I had used, like, I, I was stressing out arcs to barrel roll them into range of objectives, and, oh, he just, he wrecked me in the first turn of combat, and it, it was, a uh, it came down to the last turn of play uh, in our game, I believe, just, uh, all my games felt like they were really, really close uh, going through the day, it was, it was a fun day, uh, they, you know, Alex and I's game came down to cold dice rolls. Uh, yes, yeah, it was a close game. Yeah, um, but it was still close. Yeah. The anger, it was frustrating for one side for a while, then the other side for a while, and then flipped <laughs> back to the other side for a while. Yeah, and, <laughs> right. and that's, you know, something we'll talk in a later episode about list building, when you have a linchpin that, at what point does your list start really panicking? But... Uh, for right now, looking at Alex, uh, the list you brought, how you set up for a lot of your oh, matches? Wait, wait, wait! Before you get to turn zero, there were new ships that came out. Ah, there were. That's right. I well, mean, there were kind of old ships that came out. Yeah, yeah they're kind of forgettable because not a lot happened. We technically got a points update, but it was only, I believe, points for the new YV twenty four hundred. They didn't. They had already released the points for the bombers. No, and no, no, no. it was new bomber points for the new no, standardized loadouts. Oh, new standardized loadouts. That's right. So, are any of those any good? Uh, Tomax is good, because uh, he's three points, and then Deathfire is maybe useful, because he's three points, and the other... Rhymer is four, which is just unfortunate, it's probably a little too expensive, and then Jonas is five, which is, uh, unplayable nonsense, like, I honestly, I don't know what they were thinking with making a TIE Bomber five points, um, which is a shame, because the new Jonas is really cool, but I just, there's no way you ever bring him. Yeah. Gross. Uh, but they also did uh, correct what was originally explained to be a printing error. Uh, Mace Windu in the Ether Sprite got his mod slot back so he can run CLT. Uh, that was weird that he was the only Jedi who couldn't. The uh, goofy thing is that it's been like it's been two points changes since he had a config, and it took until this points change for people to catch on. Like <laughs> he's it's people have technically been cheating by bringing CLT on him for like a year. Oh, oh. I'm, Judge. I knew he. I knew he didn't have it. That's why I wasn't bringing it. Judge. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, yeah, he gets the CLT back, um, which is largely irrelevant because, like, find one more point and just make him Delta B instead. Mm -hmm. But yeah. and it looks like the uh, uh, for the YT twenty four hundred for the Rebels dash is seven and Lebo is six for standard right, and. and for standard, standard and custom, yeah. Okay, and then they're both seven points in scum? Yeah. Yep. 
Sure is a choice they made. Yeah, so after a couple days of letting my just huge disappointment kind of wear down, I, Dash is probably playable, uh, probably more so in Scum than Rebels, just because Scum doesn't have Falcons that are, you know, Rebel Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, I have... I was hoping that the Lebo was a misprint at 7, but they haven't updated it, so if he's 7 points in Scum, that really just it doesn't make sense. Like, Yeah, why know, is I've... the exact same identical shape cheaper in Rebels? That's yeah, cool. like, it, and if they were... Uh, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Um, it, it legitimately doesn't. Yeah, either way, I I am disappointed in this because I personally think if they're going to... Okay, so to backtrack a little bit here, uh, there has been some complaining about like needing to rebuy a 2400 to get these cards. Um, which I don't really agree with because like the original 2400 came out eight years ago Long time uh, with a different company in two and a yeah. half editions ago. Like I think it's fine if you have to rebuy a ship at this point. Um, but like at least incentivize people to buy it. Like <laughs> the, none of these are exciting. Like I, I don't I don't see any of these points other than Tomax at three and go I want to put this ship on the board. Um, and I, I especially don't want to spend like fifty bucks for a 2400 that I won't use because yeah. it just doesn't. Like if I'm looking at rebels. If I say I'm bringing, let's let's say that I, I Han is either already in the list or if he's to bring Biston for moral reasons or whatever, uh, <laughs> I still wouldn't bring Dash before either of the other Falcons, like Leia or Lando. I think still come before Dash um, at seven points, and I, it's just there's just a whole lot of that of like why I don't why why would I bring this other than. Yeah. The 2400 is my favorite chip, and I don't care competitively. I just want to fly it, which is perfectly fine. But Dash is the reason I actually got into X-Wing. Doug said, hey, there's a Star Wars game. And I was like, we play spaceships. And I was like, is Dash Render still play T2400 in it? And he said, I don't know. And then he was. And then, and then so it was. Like that week. And then the middle <laughs> proceeded to never fly him until the last week of first edition. <laughs> it's true. So <laughs> I'm just looking at it in Yasby, and it's saying, Lebo and Dash, YLF. What does that mean? Um, I don't you know what the YLF stands for. Fun. You look freaky. Oh, <laughs> so I'm, because I'm assuming what lusty federations. I don't know. I'm assuming this is the name of the box or something. Like yeah, the, it could be. The bomber ones are called TBE, which I assume means. Oh, YT twenty four hundred light freighter. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, other things. Yeah. So it's it's specifying that these are the cards that are legal in hyperspace are the reprint ones, not the ones that came in the conversion kit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the only other, I think, real thing that came from it is uh, this was a little confusing because they had the because they printed the the errata card document and they included both outrider titles on there, which was awkward, but they have fixed it since. So um the old Outrider title is has now been errated to the new Outrider title text. So for the for standard purposes in the game, the old twenty four hundred title does no longer exists. It is just oh, the new one. Okay, so even so, if they've errated the old Outrider title, they basically say that card no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Even in extended, you're playing the new Outrider. Correct. Okay. Uh, but the if you're playing extended, the old four die dash and Lebo are still playable. They're banned right. in standard, but they're playable in. Uh, oh, I did not notice that the new dash is only a three die turret. But he yeah. with the outrider title, you shoot an ex, you roll an extra red at. Correct. Okay. So because yeah. so, I was looking at the new outrider title, which says when you perform a primary attack at range three, roll one additional die. 
and I was thinking it was still a four-die gun, and immediately I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I bring Jash... Jash? Jash? Jash Rander. Yeah, Jan Ors and Dash Rendar go full Dark Forces with it. Balance, Matt. The 90s Star Wars game's coming at you. But if you are playing Extended and you want to play, and you want to pay 10 points for the four-die primary dash, you can do that. Like you can do, because you can do fact, trick shot outrider, and if you roll, if you take an obstructed range three shot, you roll six dice. <laughs> the ban list yeah. does not apply to extended. That's a common Correct. misconception. Yeah. There is no ban list in extended. The ban list yeah. only affects standard. They say right. technically, if you play an extended an extended tournament with the ban list extended <laughs> extended tournament with the ban list enabled, you're technically playing homebrew, but like yeah. you're playing extended anyway, so play it how you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, or so you play with the uh, I say what the uh, I'm I signed up for the Nickel City league uh which was like a draft league like a fantasy football style uh the captains of each team drafted players in like a snake draft okay uh, you get drafted doug uh what overall. team did i get drafted on at what position did you get drafted? oh i was the sixth, sixth. overall draft pick okay. um, uh <laughs> anyway oh, so um they're doing people? extended and banned ships are not banned but banned upgrades are which i think okay. is is if you're homebrewing, I think that's a good way to do it. Let people play whatever ships they want, but you can't mm-hmm. play like Supernatural or all of the yeah the, the pre- changing and peaking and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, the the cards that break the new rules of the game. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, that was a, a large sidetrack to say. Um, new don't, points. Don't let my disappointment dissuade you. If you want to play the twenty four hundred, I I could very easily be wrong about it. I let just not expect- oh, say, I'm hoping to dissuade you. I'm hoping there's something that you're missing because, like, I was also excited, and then you know you said that, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's a yeah. bummer." You know, and technically, you just probably got to wait. Was, if if it is one too many, you probably just got to wait, and yeah. then the next I one was will be able to play. Yeah. I'd forgotten about the release until that mm-hmm. posted the points in the chat, and then I was like, "Oh, I guess I'll go back to reading about it." Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> to get into that a little bit more. The reason I'm disappointed is. Uh, I know there's always like a meme slash people uh, are like upset if stuff comes out a little bit too good, but mm-hmm. I think for the good of the game, it is better for stuff to come out too good and for them to walk it back than the opposite. Because uh, so like let's say that it, objectively the 2400s are trash now, like they're just not worth playing at all. Uh, they're not hypothetically. Yeah, I'm not saying that's true, but if that were the case, then why would anybody buy them? Uh, and then by the time they get discounted, the sales are still going to be significantly less than if they'd been good to start with, and everybody's excited about the new release and buys it and plays it a bunch, and they get a bunch of data and go, okay, we need to walk this back. Because um, sales yeah. is what keeps the game happening. Yeah, like, uh, mm-hmm. that's... But, I mean, new players don't know that, and, like... New players non- don't, and so they can... No, the kitchen table it. players like, are that. independent of this. Mm-hmm. Right, and yeah. I... <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But... I think there are still a lot of even like kitchen table players that have no interest in going to a game store or like playing competitively, but they still like, they still go on Reddit and look at Reddit posts or they're still active in a discord or something. And they see everybody right. going, this is a waste of time. Don't bother. And they go, okay, I won't spend the 50 bucks if this ship yeah, is terrible. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Although. Just, yeah. I'm really interested to see just how many people will put new Dasher Lebo on the table. It's, uh, it's going to be fun. People do, and I yeah. hope I'm wrong. I hope they're great. I just, I suspect that they are too expensive. Mm-hmm. Like seven points is a really hard place to build yeah. with in scum. Yeah, that was the I, issue with fan all those years. Yeah, I'm looking at it and I'm like, if I have seven points in scum, I'm going to figure out what I can free up. I'll just spend two points more for Boba, and if I have seven points in Rebels, I'm bringing Han. 
Like if I'm have seven points of scum, I think Lima them. and a four pointer is probably better yeah. than Ash. Yeah. I think the big thing is that they they added a lot of weakness to the new 2400, which I think is good. I think it's good that the ship has counterplay now. Like, getting to range one is very punishing for it. It's like um, your donut hole. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, uh, because it's not just a flat four die primary anymore, like, you pretty much have to sit at range three to make it good. Uh, and that doesn't sound like a center full, like, center of your list carry piece. That sounds like a good support ship. Like, support as in, yeah. like, support It's your, the rest of your list secondary... Time. Yeah, or it's like you bring uh, like Fen and Dengar in your list. Like neither of them was the this list carries the or this ship carries the list, but in tandem they work really well. Uh, and once you push into that like seven point threshold, you're starting to eat into a lot of your list. And I think there has to be a lot of weight carried in those seven points. And I suspect that Dash can't do that. That sounds pretty right. All right. Well, getting to our topic for the uh, episode here. Uh, Alex, you brought the scum list to Republic with some uh, great success. And I like it's very oh, like record. Like... Yeah, it took me a second too, but for the listeners, if there's any confusion. Republic yeah, Republic, Missouri. Missouri. Republic, Missouri. Republic. I was the only person flying a Republic list in Republic, <laughs> Missouri, so I kind of felt like the locals, you know, let down the vibe a little there. Yeah, uh, it's probably just, it's old news to them. Like, yeah, true. yeah, the Republic. <laughs> Try something fun. Yeah. Well, you guys moved to Scum Lewis, so. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, four, four rounds, four different uh, scenarios, and all of our games kind of all started out and set up differently because of what we were playing. So let's kind of look at your list, and uh, how do you set up turn zero? Uh, what, what are your thoughts going into that? Because we've been asked to talk about turn zero and setup as a very important part of the game. With your list, what kind of thoughts go through your head when you're setting up that first turn of the board? So uh, my list is actually kind of unique. I'm sorry, Greg, go ahead. Can you explain what turn zero means? Turn zero is the turn before turn one. One. It is the first time you roll Uh, road after that, but before the second time you roll road. It is the setup process of the game of placing. The entirety of the setup. I just wanted people to know because turn zero is No, you should state your premise at the beginning. It's a good call. Yeah, it's a good thing to get the jargon out there. It covers setting (laughs) up all the people that play like me. Set up objectives, objectives. obstacles, ships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just remember OOS. But for between the roads, the first two roads, I don't know. But yeah. um, It's like the median. But my list is kind of unique in that it doesn't have objectives other than kill them. So um, I set up to joust, and I set up the obstacles and the objectives to facilitate said joust as best as possible. Um, I The reason I picked Lima for the list instead of Leighton was so I'd be at 5566. Five, six, six. So I could leverage the high initiative to just set up my list across from the highest value target so that I could kill it. So I do want to say, though, I think that in some ways that makes turn zero even more important for your list because it's not good of objectives. You want to create advantages for your opponent. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, one of the things that's specific about your scum list is your list contains Dengar, who notoriously does not like to turn right. Uh, So fun. There's some fun new developments about Dengar that's actually been coming out since he went down to six points. What? 
nothing. Dengar's become part of the alt right. <laughs> but um, so Dengar, uh, since in the crate Discord, somebody came down to six. He, they, they like me, jumped on Dengar, and uh, they spammed a lot with setting it up on the left hand side, actually, which uh, I did about sixty percent of the time. Um, though I will set up Dengar whichever side. They will give me the jest against their high value mm-hmm. target. Um, preferably outside of the rocks. But on the left side, you'd think, oh gosh, he can't turn in. He can bank in. It's fine. But if they give you the joust and you 4k or sloop, you're clearing stress back into the middle of the board instead of away from the middle of the okay, board. Okay, so it sets him up for a better late engage. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm not gonna get the joust on the left hand side, I'm not I'm not as happy about setting up over there. If I'm getting the joust, I'm thrilled to set up over there because the 4k clear stress is better. But if I have an easy, if they run from the joust, if I have an easy three bank right in, that's the white banks, that's fine. Um, and there's always contraband and agile gunner to compensate as well. But I say I think there's a couple little nuances to it. Is so um, you're mostly fine with banking when you're on the left. Like occasionally you might get burned if you have to turn, but usually you can just K turn or sloop to to get that same shot instead. But the I think the real um, if in there is you can't afford to do bump focuses if you're starting on the left. Yes. Uh, because once you get stressed, it gets extremely painful because you either have to pop contraband, K-turn, and then be double stressed and deal with that, or you know, you're or just kind of stuck. You're white, or you have to white bank to stay in the Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it is it does definitely take a little more confidence in uh, your your range control on those opening engages that you're not like getting blocked or you know, just getting stuck in the the dog pile that happens in some dog fights. Um but yeah, yeah the really theory is engage with Dengar where you don't bump. Yeah. Right. Now the I know behind it is you get that range one engage and then you K turn behind them and then you're actually in better shape than if that exact same scenario happened but on the other side of the map. Exactly. Right. Now I know in our game, Alex, which was uh scramble the transmissions, uh you did set up on the left hand side and I was wondering about that because you mentioned wanted to set up across from the high value targets. None of my ships were high value targets. They were fours, threes, and a two. Uh, and I had them kind of just oh, broadly I mean, spread out. For you, it's the arcs. And the reason, so yeah, I had twofold reason in our game for setting up on the left hand mm-hmm. side. One was because of what we talked about. And two was you'd set up one arc and your Z95 completely in the right corner. So by setting up on the left side, it was a four v three for the initial engage. It didn't end up going. It didn't end up going well. It didn't end up working out. But that was my that was my reasoning. My my twofold reasoning for setting rocks up are right. also a big deal for somebody like, like if all of the rocks are on the right side, even if the high value target is on the right side, I bet yeah. it's still set up on the left. Yeah, yeah. so high, highest value down. target that Dinger can get to without going in the rocks. Right, and <laughs> that that was kind of how we had set up with the rocks kind of clustered around the center obstacle but a, and a lot but a lot more space to my right his left where he set up Dengar uh and that makes sense to me now because you can't turn in easily and you're looking to bank in with a large base when i have lower initiative ships that could possibly block i can see where you want the option to kind of come in slow have more room to maneuver and get that room for the slooper k turn out well, to reset and we didn't have we didn't have a joust on that side you turned in mm-hmm. come in a little bit before turning back so there was no joust so i ended up having to bank in and i lost that k-turn option because of having to bank in yeah. because you did what you did because which was my, good on your yeah. part 
Right. My thought looking at that was not wanting to give you as much of that open space as possible. So I turned in to try and bring the combat as close to the middle of the board as I could, not even thinking about Dengar, because my thought is he's going to just rocket down the board with Dengar, then turn, then come up on me. But uh, you ended up bringing the fight to me. The the thing that also I wanted to ask is uh, what objectives do you bring when you're looking at a list like that? I mean, not objectives, but obstacles, yeah. I brought three tiny rocks um, in some discussion with Boom Al. Um, He's experimenting with big rocks with Dengar um, just for the Han and the Ark matchups. Now, I'm not super concerned about the Ark matchup. I'm about 75% percentage there. Um, It's pretty reliably IPS Kellen Ark with the list. But Mm -hmm. uh, the Han matchup, I don't have much experience with. I'm one and I'm one win one loss in two games against Han with the list. But uh, But I think the theory theory behind both is the same, though, which is that the large rocks bother their list more than it bothers yours. Um, Three arcs hate rocks a lot more than one Dengar. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, in theory, taking a minor disadvantage against the field for a minor advantage against the specific matchups. Mm-hmm. Which would require more experimentation. I don't know if I need the advantage against arcs. And if arcs have driven Han from the meta, I might be able to get away with the easier small rocks. Then so again, wanna, you, should, okay. you should always, in theory, fly the biggest rocks you feel comfortable flying your list with. Um, I actually don't know if that's true anymore. I think that was oh, a lot shit. more true in 1st and 2nd edition. Um, oh, shit. So to, to take a step back, uh, this is because because objectives exist now. Uh, flight paths aren't always in your control after turn zero. Um, so like if you always bring the, quote, biggest rocks you're comfortable with, you can still get burned by it if your opponent like gets first player in the road roll and then places two of your big rocks in ways that uh, negate that advantage. It's like that you're comfortable mm. with it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so I, I do think <laughs> that it, it is a little bit more of you should pick rocks that are good for your list. Um, now you and you can get into what like Chris, uh, what Boomal was saying, which is uh, you can accept that inherent disadvantage against the field if you specifically need the advantage against other lists. But that is a much more complex choice than just yeah. That requires a lot of practice yeah. and testing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to look that back because we jumped kind of straight into uh, deployment, which I think uh, it, it is obviously important. But I think that it's the third it step is, of turn zero. It's the third step, yeah. Uh, so to start with, if we start with objectives, because uh, that's what goes down first. Um, Let's talk about my this... favorite in scenario first. Yeah, go chance engagement. Chance engagement. Okay, we are done with objective placement. <laughs> Congratulations, everybody's an expert. Uh, you automatically pass go. Um. <laughs> well, but no, there there is something to be said though about uh, you know chance engagement because you do only have the one objective that's set there. Uh, but actually, we'll get into that as we go on. I said that we get into the obstacle yeah. placement and, mm-hmm. and deployment, which is, are both important in chance. So I'm not trying to dismiss that. But if we're talking strictly objectives, <laughs> congratulations, you understand how to place objectives in chance. Uh, if you don't know how placing objectives at all works, you place it at the very middle of the board, which is range four and a half from every edge. Now, now you are also an expert. <laughs> well, uh, you're an apprentice until you've done it one time. Yeah. You're an expert. Um, so for the other three, uh, as a general thing, if... I, mean, I think this applies very much to Smittle's list, but for any list where you think you are worse at the objective than your opponent, uh, something I have been doing a lot lately um, has been burying an objective as far on their side of the board as possible. Right, take um, one of their ships out for a couple turns. Right, yeah, and so the, the point is is that unless they uh, like 
unless they have a game plan ahead of time of what to do about that, it will frequently cause one of their ships to be out of position to get that objective. A lot of times, spoilers, the right move is to ignore that one objective and just win the game. Mm -hmm. And and so the thing with that is that uh, I think uh, it's easy to balk at that idea because people collect free points. But if you're going into the matchup, accepting that you need to find a win condition other than winning on objectives, so like Smittle's List. I give give up a lot of free points. Yeah, you you just have to give up free points. So you want to put those free points in as suboptimal place as possible for them. so, like, for Smittle's list in particular, if we're saying that uh, Smittle wants to set up on the left with Dengar, then he would want to bury the objective he puts on their, sorry, on their side as far and to the right as possible. So it takes that ship as far away from Dengar as possible, which means they're... I, even if it's a two-point filler, if it's not there, it can't block, mm-hmm. it can't... It doesn't get its shots late in the initiative order, which can be super meaningful. It can't um, take a random pot shot at a fang. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just, just yeah. anything to to put it as as out of the fight as possible. Um because unless it's assault, eventually they're gonna move towards you. But if it's assault and their two point ship is just one turning around that objective, it is collecting points, but you're playing against an eighteen point yeah, list. You're playing yeah. twenty to eighteen and it's gaining it's making its points up every other turn. Yeah. So you should come out ahead there mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah, I've tended to call the obstacle that's deep in an opponent's territory, regardless of what faction they're playing, that's the Dark Curse obstacle. Because yeah, yeah Dark Curse's only point is to just do one hards around an obstacle in Assault. Mm-hmm. And, Objective, for the record. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I easy, will, it's easy to do. We've all done it a couple of times, I think. Yeah, but the, the idea that you're exactly right, Doug, you're, you're taking whatever point ship they're using to commit to that one lone objective... And that no longer has become a factor in the calculus of the rest of the match. They're getting points, but in most cases, that means they are now a weaker unit moving forward. Yeah, and even like Salvage, where they can pick up that box and maybe only be a turn or two behind, uh, it's still relevant because most objective ships are mobile ships. Like, think Sabine, think Keo... Like I've been running a lot of dread in the F in the the bomber, the FO bomber. The uh, six like when the people run the six, six. yeah. Um, right. But like the thing with like Keo, dread, and Sabine is they all do a lot of oh, weird and or position movement. Boost yeah, uh, and, and yeah, I did, I did a lot of that with slider. Slider, yeah. Uh, which slider still gets to slide, and I guess Keo right. has to slide slip, but uh, um, but, but in general, it slows them down. So like they they are both behind getting into the engagement, and then once you catch them, it's like once they get there, it's a lot easier to just catch them and burn them. Uh, Plus, if you bop a box off somebody and put it behind them, you usually have five turns before they're going to pick it back up. Like, um, so if you accept that they're going to pick up that box, and then you randomly can knock it off with a random crit, like it's probably off for five turns. Yeah, uh, that might be an exaggeration, but right. a lot of turns. And, yeah. It's a lot of turns, though. You know, it depends on how fast their ship can turn around and get action economy to pick it back yeah, up. It also yeah. And have the, the action to spare to pick things. it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Precisely. Uh, uh, so when you look at the other things, uh, Assault, uh, Scramble, and Salvage, with a list like yours, Alex, where do you want... I mean, uh, presuming... I know you said you don't go for objectives with your list, but... No, I Yeah, so... Sorry, you don't prioritize. Yeah, my thought yeah. Was, yeah. How how would you think about? Would you then play to try and deny the use of those objectives to your opponent? How would you do that? So first off, I don't want to hurt myself to hurt my opponent. Okay. So that's that's always a consideration I have in mind. I'm not going to cause myself. Like, in general, 
I gave obviously I'll hurt myself five to do hurt them a hundred, but I'm not going to risk my plan, my game plan, to screw up their game plan, if you know what I mean. Okay. Um You don't want to get too clever. Yeah, like I have a plan. I'm gonna I'm going to stick to it as best as I can. I don't want to throw it out the window just because I'm worried they have a plan. Less reactive play? Yeah, less reactive. Okay. Um but once I'm in game, I'm proactive right. play is very strong at two point five. Yes, it is indeed. Um, usually, whoever has the opening momentum, I've, I've found, tends to win the game. Um, which is a lot why a lot of, especially early on, those republicists that snared objectives so easily, they did so well because they came out and got twelve or not twelve, but like three points on the first turn, mm. and nobody else keep up with that. Oh they, yeah, when you the could tempo get was just. And that's what I'm really trying to deny is I'm trying to deny them the tempo of outpacing my destroying of their ships mm-hmm. plus my weaker objectives. Make sure that's less than their stronger objectives and their weaker destroying of my ships. Right. Because objectives is what did it in our game when I got the numbers advantage and just said, I can take three of my ships and make sure all of the objectives are claimed because that will force his ships to either waste an action taking them or say, I'm giving up that point. And, and for the, the the end of the game, the board stage just meant I, I had, if you claimed the one point that was mine, my neither of my ships had any way to get to a point to claim it back to preserve the game. Mm-hmm. So that was that was exactly the correct move there. And it right. was the move. As soon as you got the advantage in on the board state, you quit fighting and went for objectives, which is, again, the correct choice. And is that because, and again, I learned it by watching you. You guys told me, <laughs> stop trying to go for the knockout win when you can win on points. Like, and... if, you're, if you are suddenly, if you're, like, down 8 to 11, and then you get a kill and you're up 15 to 11 all of a sudden... Just, just try to win on three turns of objectives. Like, mm-hmm. you will probably be safer doing that than. Hey, yeah, and that's that's what happens when I got game. Example of this going wrong for my opponent. Uh, the uh, first round of the the XTC combine, uh, which was a time ago, time blends together three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I was up against a uh, a resistance list, and he got a huge early lead. Uh, like so, I was playing my Gen Con list. Uh, like he he killed Kylo, uh, and so the the end state was he'd killed Kylo, LaHughes, and Dread, and I had killed Zori. Uh, and he's running Ray, uh, the six point Poe, Zori, and uh, fourth ship uh, that I don't remember, Jarek Yeager. Um, and it's uh, it's salvage. So uh, I had been I had been collecting salvage points a little bit more than him, but it was like one extra point. Uh, so the the score is eleven to like seventeen or something, and we're each holding two crates. And he turns in with his ray and his Jarek that are both on fire uh, instead of just running. If he if he runs, I just I like unless I just get super lucky with range three pot shots. There's no way I can win this game. Uh, but because he turned in to fight, I was actually able to kill Ray and Jarek for one of my tie FOs. Uh so I I won the game with a like one health tie FO against a full health Poe, but I scored eleven points in one round and jumped to twenty two. Um and it, like if he just turns away and accepts that he's winning and he doesn't need to push it, then he wins that game easily. Yep. Which is a change of mind from two point oh and one point oh. Right. That was not the game plan. I mean it was if you were one of those people. <laughs> but <laughs> it was more of a like last turn of the game yeah. sort of thing. Well now you can run and do stuff instead of Yeah, but like you Yeah, now you yeah, can you actively be winning the game more by yeah. avoiding engagements. Exactly. And that's what I'm trying to avoid happening. Um ideally by PS killing something before it shoots on the first turn. Which my list is pretty good at. 
Um, yeah. As far as the objectives go, um, assault is a good scenario for me, right? Yeah. Assault yeah, is a large, large base ship that can turn yeah. tightly. I always get salt and scramble confused. Yeah, scr- scramble. I think is probably the hardest for your list because I, mean, salv- I would say salvage. Salvage. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. my ships. Two of my ships are fangs. The uh, other one's yes. a Y wing that can't really hold a box, and the other's Dengar. Yeah. Um, I think okay. the salvage is the one that can run away from that yeah. list the most. Like if he I, just can't knock boxes off, there's he can't keep up in the objective race. Right. Do you have anything to do, Chris? I have yeah, yeah. a chip on Terog. But mostly, I just want them to die. But... I just thought of something with your list, Alex. Is you run uh, Painbot on Dengar, right? I do. If Dengar is carrying a crate and you deal a crit to yourself with Painbot, he drops it? Yes. It's happened before. Okay. It's happened before. Yes, I see <laughs> now. Because... Game, yes. <laughs> yeah, because I know you depend on that Painbot a lot with Dengar. Yeah. I mean, I burn, it, I burn it as soon as I need to. Yeah. Um, yeah, better to have it and you use it before you die. You don't want to die with charges on it. Exactly. Which, uh, that was actually specifically why you ran Leighton originally. It was. was. Because it helped you keep up in the objective race a little bit more. It did. But you found that you really just needed to be better at what you were good at, not yeah. trying to shore Yeah, so at that point I found I, I kept leaving I-4 ships at one health. Mm-hmm. And, and then they'd get to do stuff and Leighton would kill them afterwards. I'm like, eh, what if I had another oh, I-5? Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, what if I actually get killed? Yeah, scramble. Scramble's not great. Um, scramble. I'm trying to bury one, trying to bury one on my side that I can take with. Tarok is usually my hold back, and Tarok or Fran are usually my hold back and get an objective people because they're they can catch up to Denkar and Lima. And usually, I mean, this is getting into ship setup, but usually I set up Lima and Tarok in the middle in the rocks to joust. Dengar just outside of the rocks to joust, and then Fen just outside of Dengar. To joust, but on a forty-five degree angle. Okay. I think one last thing before we move on to obstacles, because we have been talking about objects a lot. I, I do think it's really interesting. In turn zero, I widely wildly prefer to be player one. Hundred uh, percent. I think scramble is the exception, and that's because you both only place one on each other's side. I think being player two actually lets you choose where the engagements will happen a lot more. Right, Which putting them both on the same horizontal side of the board. Yeah. It's yeah, a big part. Exactly. If, if you want it to be a joust, you put all three on the same side of the board. Yeah. Or if you want it to not be a joust, then you, after seeing where they place, you place yours as far away as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a diagonal joust. And really, I feel obstacles are just enhancing your objective placement. Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, if we for sure. Go too hard into ob- um, obstacles. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the big thing with obstacles, um, which for anybody, if you haven't watched uh, Gold Squadron podcasts, uh, particularly it was the week after Paul Heaver won LSO, uh, the Lone Star Open, he went really deep into how to place obstacles against his three arc Padme um, Anakin list. Uh, I think that is a, a really, really good breakdown of why obstacle placement is important against specific lists. Um, but as a just a quick going over what he said, it was he wants to place as many big obstacles as he can in one corner, preferably on his side of the board. Or I think mm-hmm. it was preferably on his so opponent's side of the board. So he can get past um, Yeah, but so he wants, to, he wants the board to be as open as possible. So he just wants to muck up one small area a bunch so that if they have to go through it, they have to deal with it. And then he's going to put his arcs as far away from it as possible. Right. That's how um, I've been, that's how I've been trying to angle for setup with the three arc list. Right. And so then from the <laughs> other side. Uh, he was like, there were multiple people that played into that strategy because they were thinking, clutter this as much as possible and try to bring his arcs into the rocks. And the actual answer is to 
you want to try to create you let him make his little corner and then you want to put yours so let's say he picks like uh the right corner near his board edge then you want to clutter like the middle left of the board as much as possible mm-hmm. because that makes it so that he he has to deal with rocks no matter where he goes um and the thing with three arcs is they hate dealing with rocks because it's they three medium day sure ships. Like, um, so I, I think a big thing with objectives is identifying what your opponent just hates dealing with 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 obstacles uh, and trying to exploit that. All right. Um, I think uh, a, a easy general rule for that is if if they are clearly cl- clustering rocks in one area, if you are clustering rocks in that same area, one of you is almost certainly wrong. Uh, so. Don't just immediately put rocks next to where they put them because they're probably just going to avoid that spot. Okay. Uh, and is there a difference in how you place obstacles based on what scenario it is? Um, Some, somewhat. Yeah. Like... I think the only real obvious one is on assault. If they have medium large base ships, then like put Break a rock the to deny the yeah the triangle or the the pairs that are easy to get range one of both of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, I think it's more against the other list than the scenario. All right. Indeed. So here's something that I want to add to that, and how I've been thinking about obstacle placement, uh, especially with with the prevalence of medium base ships out there in a lot of these lists. Now we make the joke: medium bases always fit because that 60 millimeter base and the geometry of the templates we often think in small base ship thoughts and when we're setting things up uh what i've discovered is that especially if i'm player two in setup because i fly a lot of medium ships if my opponent has medium base ships and they start out by cornering an obstacle on their side usually that's a way of saying i don't want to deal with this obstacle after turn one if they're the type that is going to be likely to set up on the outside and come in past it, then what I'll do is I'll try and set up the next obstacle where it prevents their fast bank. You know, okay, if you're coming on the outside, I'm going to make it harder for you to get to the center. Uh, or if there's an objective out there that they're going to want to hang around, I'm going to look at it and go, okay, you only have two and three hards, so I'm not going to try and block close to the obstacle. I'm going to try and block further away from it forcing you to try and find different ways to control this area. Uh, and that basically be- it becomes reactive to what can your opponent's list do. Mm-hmm. Uh, along a similar vein, if, uh, if let's say this is like the fifth or sixth objective being placed and you already have a good idea of where you think they're going to deploy, um, particularly if it's going to be like near an edge of the board, placing an obstacle at range like two and a half to three on their side is a really good way to make it just a pain in the butt for them to turn in towards the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the game in general tends to turn in towards the middle. Uh, like does. There are very few games where fighting only happens on a board edge. Um, so anytime you can place objectives that or obstacles that will interfere with their ability to easily do what they want, it's very helpful. Uh, an example being, uh, Greg, our game in Manhattan that we played, where I got close to the heaver setup uh, there, a triangle of rocks all pointing towards one of your corners, which gave three quarters of the map open. Uh, In that, what I was thinking was, okay, my ships are less agile, but slower, so I can spend more time in the rocks if I have to go into them. I want him to come into the rocks and then have to try and figure a way out. Uh, 
So that really depends, again, on your opponent's list, how they're going to bring them. Uh, my, for my thought, because I don't have any control over what obstacles my opponents bring or where they set them up, I've had to become used to, all right, I'm going to take a red barrel roll this turn because if I don't, then I'm locked into a too hard next turn, for example. And that makes things really predictable. Uh, it's I wanna... important to think about the future turns. Yeah, and that's that's a new thing for me because normally my my thought is always just, all right, move and focus up in case I get shot. Now it's like, okay, I would rather have unmodded defense at a longer range shot, and if I survive, I'm much better set up next turn. You know, it, again, it's all reactive. There's no magic bullet to it. But I think that that's, uh, you know, really necessary. You got you to learn how your list is going to think. You know, what, what are you doing two turns from now? Uh, well, we talked about the objectives and the obstacles. And, you know, again, Alex, with your list, setup is really important because of Dengar. But also with ships like the Fangs that are so maneuverable, what what in your mind determines where they set up? Um, this is going to sound like like a smart ans- answer, but the joust. Legitimately, my concern with this list is the joust. I will out joust just about every other list. Um, so I want that. And I so like I said, I set up tend to set up Lima, middle, Tarak just outside of her or him, sorry. Dangar. Outside the rocks, like outside the, the the rock in the middle. If there's a rock to the outside of them, that's fine. But just outside the center cluster of rocks, so the three of them can hard joust. And your choices are a Y-Wing that's worth three points, a Fang with Beskar, or Dengar. And then Fan will come from one of the two outsides, depending on board state, preferably the outside of Dengar's side, in attempt to also joust that same target, but from a 45-degree angle. Mm-hmm. And that that works. That's kind of how you set it up, because I look at Dengar and I think I want to try and get in on his flank. And then you've got Fen coming in on my flank. And, you know, it's Which is how I used Fen in the old Bosk lists all the way back in the day up until yeah. Kane and Bosk. Fen really was there to protect, protect Bosk. Um, and that's kind of what Fen's doing with Dengar. Um, Fen has some more. Fen's, Fen's weird now. He's a he's an interesting ship now. I really enjoy where Fen's yeah. at currently. You but enjoy Fen Yes. <laughs> Believe it or not. I mean, there were times where AMG hates him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I do want to stress, like, oh, this is, it's practice. Reps are really important with these scum lists because you don't have any margin for error with the objectives. So you have to win on killing people. I think I probably scored, I mean, I scored a bunch of chance. I scored a bunch of assault. And um, I was really, I didn't score many in salvage and I, I scored a few in, um, our game scramble, Matt. Yeah. Mostly my before, before I realized I'm like, I, I, you know, Oh, you took, you took one. I'll take it right back and force you to use an action. I don't care if you kill a spider. He's two points. Yeah. I mean, like I would have done it if I could have gotten there. I just couldn't have gotten there. Like I didn't care about putting the action, but there was just no way that I could clear. Since both my ships were stressed, they, neither of them could clear stress and use their action to to claim so i had to try to kill yeah. slider who i forgot was two instead of three points one of the other things <laughs> i hate about your list so much is that especially with contraband dengar can be double stressed and still mod his shots and rotate his turret 
because neither of those are actions to do. Yeah, the and, Agile Gunner is what allows the rotating. And that, man, put Agile Gunner on your Dengars. You, yeah. Um, don't uh, ever take an action to rotate his turret. I mean, you can the first time if you don't want to telegraph it. But what that allows you to do, I, I don't. I say telegraphing it's not a real thing. Your opponent should guess you're going to do that anyway, so just do the I right think, move. I think there are far fewer situations than people think where telegraphing matters. Like, yeah. But uh, in most theory, of the time, it is very obvious. Like the only thing it tells you is that they're not going to K turn; they're going to fly past instead, which is yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. But it'll, uh, even if you do have the situation where you don't want to telegraph it and you want to focus rotate or target like rotate, you can rotate it back for free without having to stress yourself again. Yeah. But yeah, like the ability to rotate on a whim is huge. It allows you to do some stuff with Dengar people don't expect, and it allows you to fly over someone and rotate the arc if you need to. And sometimes that's the best move. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I think one last it. point for that is the big thing is that like that telegraphing is not nearly as giving up the information of the telegraph is not nearly as valuable as having Dengar having an open dial if you do the focus rotate or the lock rotate. Yeah. Like the limited dial is so much more punishing than them knowing that you want to shoot at your butt. Indeed. Fun fact, you, I've done the thing where I've rotated it, and then I've just moved and focused rotated it back to the front because it was a bad choice to rotate it. But you can also fool people with that. You yeah. can, in theory, rotate it in a way to fool them and then do your maneuver and focus rotate it back to where you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's probably not the best idea to do all the time, but if it wins you the game, it wins you the game. There yeah. was some times where I would uh, feign a, a rotate with Vinny and then like stop. And then you uh, you could like uh, advance sensors, I think it was, and then you could um, just rotate it back, and people are like, "What?" But I'm not oh, the answer to any, so. Yeah, I it's mean, you, any story of the episode. I'm, you could, I'm, yeah, I really, you could do I'll tricks like that with like SF ties with the Agile Gunner, but now that SF Gunner is free, why would you bring anything else? Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. I like. I like. I Oh, go ahead. No, I like that you are on this don't worry about showing them what I'm doing because you should already think they know. You should assume assume they're better than you. You should, absolutely. 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 You should assume that they're... It's a good frame of mind, and I think that people should adopt that if they want to get better because I feel like there, there might be some people out there who aren't taking cards like this because they're like, no, 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 I don't want to show you know what I'm doing. I need to have like an edge. Well, your edges have a plan. Yeah, I say I have a plan and execute it. Yeah, it just it down on being proactive is stronger than reactive in 2.5. Um, See, and I didn't which know is a that. I am a very reactive player. Yeah, I, I am too. I played. Aces I imagine that Matt is too. Oh yeah, I mean, for the entirety yeah. of first and second edition, I played aces because reactive, reactive play was, was stronger up until 2.5. Yeah, and and objectives and the game state moving, whether there's combat or not in a turn, really forces decision making to be like not just a I'm going to react to what they're doing to optimize this specific moment. Now it's I need to I need to plan to make the turn as a whole and the next turn go better for me. Which mm-hmm. is why Doug's point about being turn, turn zero being so important now is mm-hmm. so true and so big is because that is the first and most important step to executing your plan. Okay. Now, we were talking a lot about this in specifics to your scum list, Alex, but... Uh, just, in, just, as a, just as an example. Yeah, but in general, these these uh, theories and plans will work for any list. You know, know what your list can do, what your win condition is. If you, like, you know, Smittle, want to win by ignoring the objectives and jousting, set up that way. Be prepared, however, for what your opponent's win condition is likely to be. If they're going to want to, like, 
with my six ship list, I wanted to spend my time claiming obstacle, I mean objectives and things like that. You got to be able to try and deny me that if you want to. So uh, it's always good to not only know your list, but start thinking about you know even if you're not going to fly these other lists, learn what their win conditions are, learn how to set up to very important. Just ask people who fly those lists. Hey, how do you win with this? (laughs) Or what? What do you hate when other people do? Um, if they're a good person and a friend, they should help you get better at X-Wing. Like, yeah, the answer is beat me. Like, the X-Wing yeah. isn't like, we're not playing poker, we're not playing magic for money, there's no trade secrets, we should all be helping, we're a community, we should all be helping each other get better. Yeah, this isn't Northern Virginia with our secret coded lists from back in the day. Uh, I forgot, yeah. I didn't forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. We're X-Wing, a lot bigger. Yes, indeed. But yeah, uh, again, these are basic skills with advanced applications, and like and you like said, we said in the previous episode, practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. Like it takes it takes reps, it really does. Yeah, and like we talked about with the intentional practice, don't be afraid to sit down with your friends, set up some of these theories you have, and be willing to just okay, I'm going to reset after turn three, and let's try this opening a little bit differently. You know, learn, find a good friend that's willing to learn with you what types of setups and openings in turn zero works for your list in different situations. Honestly, I will say some of the most fun I have playing X-Wing. Yeah. But I will say, unlike intentional practice, this is something you can practice while playing casual games at like, yes, Uh, absolutely. It's just, you just have to, as you're setting up, like actively think about, okay, what do I think my opponent's best win condition is vice versa? What do I think my best win condition is? How do I achieve that? Uh, has nothing like you don't doesn't doesn't matter if your opponent actually goes for their best one condition. Yeah. yeah, that's not important. You're just setting up to prevent that. Yeah, it's this, actually good if you recognize what their best win condition is and they don't do that. Like you should be able to capitalize on it. On it, uh, but it, it's good that you're registering what they should be doing. Like that means that you're you're thinking about the game well. That was a terrible sentence, but you're you, <laughs> means you are making connections, <laughs> yes, which is the game. most important part of the learning process, in my opinion, is when yeah. you can start making your own connections with information provided to you. Yep. If you're That's doing that in the the local game scene, it's a lot easier to apply in tournament play. Yes, true, true. All right. So with that, we hope you've uh, that's a learned... couple of really good meaty episodes back to back. Indeed, we hope you've learned something uh, from this Next knowledge week, drop. We bring back sheesh. <laughs> sheesh. We brought it back this week. Yeah. So next if, week, uh... I guess we can give a spoiler. I guess we're going to build two lists and talk about how we do turn zero with the two of them. Mm-hmm. Give a little bit of a teaser for next episode. Yeah, kind of see how, how this works with lists that have totally radically different uh, ways to play the game. So yeah, we'll practically apply what we talked about this week. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, uh, do we have any shout-outs to give this week? Ricardo! Ricardo! And Republic Missouri's game store, Cards and Stripes, and its people in general. That was, again, a bad sentence. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, Ricardo ran a fantastic event, and they were all super, super fun and chill, and it would have been very easy for them to be irritated that the three of us, like, came in and swiped their store champ or whatever, but they weren't. They were all really cool. Yeah, they were there to play X-Wing. Yep, all everybody I played that day, with the exception of Smittle, was great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I played no one. Yeah, also, I played else. two awesome people from Republic Missouri, and then two scumbags. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you had to, you had to fight your way past Doug and I to get that. So that's definitely you know take some pride there. <laughs> Indeed, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and. Uh, 
give a shout out to one of the players there, Matt Latall, who uh, I did not play at this tournament, but I played him at the uh, uh, Scrub Down and at numerous online tournaments. We have run into each other multiple times through the course of 2-5. Always just a fun opponent and someone who has a ton of fun playing. And uh, I'm going to give an odd shout out to uh, my friend Julia, who does not play X-Wing at all, but listens to our podcast because we have nice and soothing voices. That so can't, That can't be. Of course, I have, the same. I have never been uh, so tempted to just like screech in my life. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible, terrible people. Yeah, I Has mean, listen to the sheesh episode. The sheesh. Listen true. to our words because <laughs> our words are nothing worth yeah. listening to. Well, hey. whenever you don't understand what it is, it's easy to tune out all the gibberish too. That's true. So. But then, why our voice, our voices? Yeah. Mine, at least. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out oh, to my father, Pop How. Yeah, oh, he uh, he's yeah. playing Pathfinder with Smittle and I. It's going well. Nice. Teaching an old man new tricks. You guys are going to become the McElroys in no time. <laughs> do it. The, my brother, my brother, and me does a podcast. They're uh, a podcast, need... and they do a D and D podcast. Oh my god, I love them. Yeah, they're great. I'd recommend their podcast. It's great. The Adventure Zone is awesome. Podcast. Yeah, Adventure Zone is what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything from your end, Greg? Um. No? <laughs> All right. Well, for Tashi Station Radio, then, I'm Matt. I'm Hal. I'm Swiddle. I'm fixed Jenkins. It. No, I thought we were rooting everything. I'm Doug. <laughs> I'm Doug. I'm Doug. I'm, I'm, I'm Swiddle. I like the party. I'm Sparky. I'm poor Jenkins? Tashi Station Radio is brought to you by the team of Greg Smith, Alex Smittle, Doug Howe, and Matt New. If you'd like to help us out with hosting and production costs, you can go to ko-fi.com slash ToshiStationXWing and make a donation. It's always appreciated. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at Toshi Station Radio, an X-Wing podcast, for news and updates. And as always, thanks for listening.